Hello, friends. Welcome back to our tale. The year is 1890. The place, Boston. An evil force continues to seep into our world, corrupting and conquering all who touch it. Our four brave adventurers foiled its mysterious plans and brought Jack the Ripper to justice. But can they succeed again? Can they keep this force from holding illimitable dominion over all? Find out as they face the Red Death. Okay, so the four of you hoisted up no problem uh, and make your way back upstairs. As you look down, uh, as you're sort of lifting it, you notice that all of your clothes that have been damaged and ripped were at some point while you were in the library mended. You're not sure if that was Pochetu or, or something else, but uh, it's no longer no longer damaged, no more bullet holes, no more slices, no more cuts. Everything is back to normal. Now the question is, do I still have my heels? Because I don't know what happened to them at one point. <laughs> I, I, for, I forgot James was walking around pretty much in his underwear for a long time there. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you put your clothes back on after you went across, right? Did I? I don't remember. I, I think you did. I, I think, think you did, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, just in case anybody does decide to, to illustrate these for us, we'll, uh, we'll say James was fully clothed most of the time. The image of James punching Sawyer while, like, only in his underwear. <laughs> it's a mood. <laughs> so, so you're very easily able to hoist the sarcophagus up because, of course, it's significantly lighter than it was before. And uh, carry it up the stairs. As you walk through the door with the sarcophagus, everyone sort of turns, looks surprised for a second. And then both Sax and Kimball, the two people owning and running the museum, throw their hands together and start clapping for you. Uh, Henry Trislow, who was the person who funded this expedition, starts running over with them as well, as does uh, Flinders Peters, who starts walking briskly towards you as well. I'd say we set it down back where it was, I, I reckon, on the stage or whatever, and shake hands or whatever I don't know mm -hmm. I, I think I think Sawyer would as soon as we put it down and there's people clapping and lots of distractions if, if there's any way that he could kind of slink into the crowd while clapping <laughs> looking like them and, and just sort of getting out of the spotlight if right. that's possible that's gonna be a uh, what would that be sleight of hand check I guess what would, what would be appropriate stealth. for that stealth, stealth. Stealth, that's a good one, yeah. I've only got a plus four to stealth. How do I have a plus four to stealth? Oh, that's my dexterity, okay. Ooh, 17 plus four. 21. Okay, so as you're starting to uh, slink away, um, it, it was more difficult than that. Um, you almost make it, and as you're going, Peters claps you on the shoulder, and 
in his delightful British accent that I won't pretend to do because I'm not that sort of GM, says, my boy, where are you trying to go? You deserve much, much credit for solving whatever it was that happened down there. I'm not much for fanfare. He says, what did happen down there? Oh, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. He says, he says, my boy, I'm an archaeologist. I've, I've seen some things. Try me. Is anybody standing near me with a glass of whiskey? Uh, yeah, I think we could say that. Yeah, he, he grabs the, the glass of whiskey from the person and just immediately takes it like <laughs> too much and coughs a little bit and, and sort of like tries to use that to just sort of, we're not talking right now. <laughs> We're we're coughing and there's lots going on. Okay. I mean, if he's going to press the issue, I'll have to answer him. But just trying to avoid. I mean, he's politely pressing the issue, but if if he can tell you're not going to talk about it, he won't force you to talk about it. I think if he starts to press it, Sawyer just says, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll let you buy me a drink and I'll tell you all about it. He says, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you'll excuse me. Okay. <laughs> I walk past him. Okay. And so, uh, Sachs especially is really pushing the three of you for information about what was happening down there. I don't I think James will take a similar approach. You know, just have a drink. Just not talk much about it. Just say they, they, that we, we, we got your sarcophagus back. Okay. Yeah, Agnes is not super eager to give any details to anybody. So we'll try to excuse herself along with anybody else trying to uh, get a drink or just be distracted. Sure. Yeah, they're just thrilled to, to have it back. And pretty quickly... Um, they go into work the crowd thing. Um, and so Sachs turns to everyone and says, um, gestures to some of the employees and calls them over. They take the sarcophagus up the stairs and through the doorway. He looks at his watch and he says, well, folks, it is 11.04, but I think I think we can stretch Egyptian custom and show off this wonderfully preserved mummy earlier than we thought, can't we? And the crowd just erupts and goes wild. Um, so he says, give us a few moments to get this situated and we will have, uh, have the display ready for all of you. Agnes, is everybody, like, are we all still kind of within the same general area mm-hmm. as each other? Yeah. Uh, Agnes is going to try to kind of pull everybody aside and be like, so do we tell them now that there is no mummy inside that sarcophagus? Or do we let them have an unhappy surprise in a few minutes? Well, you remember that there's an illusory mummy in there. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Never so mind. Hears that and he grabs a sign at another display nearby that says no touching. 
and he just moves the sign. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason he knows that is because there's also a like a little like picture of a hand with the line through it. <laughs> he moves that over to the display. Well, so this is so the display with the mummy is behind some doors up a set of stairs. So it's not even in the same room that you all are in. Oh, so we put it we brought it back to where it needed to go on display. We didn't bring it into the big crowd. You did so you brought the sarcophagus closed into the big crowd and then they took it and brought it upstairs. Okay, okay. Yeah. But yeah, this was the whole thing about them not showing the mummy off until midnight and all that. Yeah. I I would say let's just We've seen yeah. going on. We don't need to stay for this. Yeah, that's kind of what James, James was nodding agreeing. So I was I was thinking the same thing. Are the uh, do you think the white sword are going to continue to be an issue tonight? Yeah, whatever happened to them? I'm gonna look into the crowd and see if I see any white sword folk. Uh, give me a perception check. Okay. Are we all allowed to do this? I'll do this. Or, sorry, give me give me an investigation check. This is more investigation. Oh dang. Okay. Um. So that's at eight. Okay. You don't see any. Okay. Uh, Say it again, Tim. Oh, 17. You don't see any. Well, then my 16 is probably not going to see any. You don't see any. Yeah, I just had a nine. You also don't see any. So, but as you're looking around, um, James and Sawyer, you do notice that sort of off in a corner, there are a couple guys uh, tied up, some of them still unconscious, uh, who you recognize as the dudes what you beat up before. Um, and I think you killed a few of them, right? I think I think, think you I, shot a couple of them. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll just do a take as though you did shoot some of them and kill them, because uh, I think that happened. So you do see a few who are tied up, the ones that you knocked unconscious before. You don't see the ones who you killed. You assume that they've been taken off to the back because they don't want people to re be reminded of this and have more chaos and disorder go around. Okay. Yeah. I think we're probably good to go then. Sawyer gives a, a look of, uh, uh, what would the word be? Sort of understanding to one of the white swords who had been punched in the face by James. I think we, we share that now. So, <laughs> um, he has no idea what you're indicating by looking at him, and he glares back at you with just pure venom and hatred. Yeah, I think I just flick some ash at him off my cigarette okay. as I walk past. And so, as you're making your way towards the door, there's a, a group of people, very well dressed, standing by the door. And as you sort of go to push past them, they say, The doors won't open. Still? I mean, still. They, we tried them before. They were unopened. The police haven't come in yet. They must be unopenable. James is going to reach past and try the door. The door swings open. Yeah. Walks out like a boss. Yeah, they, at that person. They look at you aghast. And as you step outside, uh, Detective O'Neill is standing there waiting. And he says, uh, well, um, and appears inside and says, job well done. 
also. I have some questions. I think we might have a few of those ourselves. So you debrief with Detective O'Neill and you tell him everything you know. Do you tell him about talking to Pachetto about a circle? Um, I think Agnes would leave that to the people who were talking about the circle more. Sure. So, Sawyer and Ignacia, do you tell him about telling Pachetto about the circle? Uh... Sawyer's only hesitation is that it's in front of all these people. Oh, I mean, you're you're away. You're not okay. Yeah. Okay. Then he he looks to Ignacia, sort of giving the whatever you think is best look. All right. Evens, I'm gonna. She's gonna tell him odds. She's not gonna do it. Okay. Evens. So. Does say evens are gonna do it. Or did they say odds are going to do it? I forgot. I, think you said, I don't remember. But I think I even <laughs> were evens were going to do it. Yeah. Okay, she's going to tell him. He listens and he nods. Um, and he's less than thrilled. Um, he says, Ms. Del Rio. And he takes his glasses off. One of the reasons that you found so little about the circle in there is that we're a secretive organization. The circle is the only thing keeping the Red Death out of this world as much as it is, and we're losing. The more others know about this, the harder it is for us to do our job. I, I suspect that a library guarded by a sphinx that only the good can access, that I've never heard of, is probably relatively safe. But in the future, the circle doesn't exist. The arrow, the arrows don't exist. Are we clear? Of, of course, I just, I know there's not much information. I try to look it up, but I don't, I don't know much and I'm trying to learn and trying to be a better member of the circle and just it's hard to do when there's isn't anything out there. And so he sort of cocks his head. He says, then ask me. I've been incredibly open with both of you. We're not secretive with our members, but yes, um, it's late, but in the next few days, let's let's sit down and I'll answer any questions you have. Uh, James is going to say, does that courtesy extend to us, pointing to himself and Agnes, as we're doing the circle's work? Oh, wait, did, were you all there for that? <laughs> oh, were we? Yeah, I, don't I, know. I, okay. I assume you were all there. Okay. He says, Mr. Wilcox, you've done great work. I'm upset that you know as much as you do. Now, before anybody gets upset, just remember, detective, that there was a lot going on tonight. We were in some sort of maze. There were trap doors. There was water. There was near drowning. There was a monster. I'm pretty sure a bunch of white supremacists got punched in the face. I got punched in the face. Look, a lot went down. Let's not get mad about it. 
Maybe we have some allies. I don't know. He says, I'm not mad about it, but Circle thrives on secrecy. We're not going to do something absurd like kill them because they have too much information or anything ridiculous like that from some potboiler novel. But Ms. Han, Mr. Wilcox, this is as much as we'll tell you. Agnes is visibly annoyed by this because uh, it's been a rough, it's been a rough night. <laughs> and right. to be told, <laughs> yeah. Uh, James is also annoyed uh, and says, I'm not sure that works for me, detective. I have been beaten and have suffered harm mentally and physically for your cause, for your circle. And I think it's it's fair that we know as much as anyone else does. If we're if we're gonna continue to do the circle's work, which is honestly what we're doing here, I think we're deserving of more knowledge. He says, Mr. Wilcox, without saying too much, every good person's work is fighting the Red Death, whether they know it or not whether the fight has started for them or whether the fight is going to start for them. Every good person is fighting the Red Death. The well, circle's me... work is very specific. And the less you know about that, the better for you and the better for us. There are many, many who would kill to get that information out of you and find out the things we know and the things that we're doing. I'm not telling you because you cannot help us with what we need help with for our work and for your own safety, for everyone's safety. And I would ask that you trust me on that. He sighs and says, and if you don't trust me, once I've explained everything Ms. Del Rio, if she feels the same, perhaps she'll tell you the same. James looks over at Ignacia and nods at her after a moment. She's actually really disappointed in herself, so she's kind of just like, her shoulders are slumped and she's just sort of like looking down at her hands in her lap, just fiddling her thumbs. So he, he sees that and he says, he like puts a hand on your hand and says, Ignacia, Nothing about your induction was regular. If your grandmother had had the time, she would have explained everything to you and the need for secrecy. And we should have made sure that you were aware of everything. There's still a lot you don't know. And it's not that we're hiding anything from you. It's that this is so irregular that I'll bring you up to speed as soon as everyone is rested from this and we have a few hours to sit and talk about it. She just nods and looks up at him and gives him like that sort of like half smile. He says, well, and he looks at his watch. He says, it's about oh, two in the morning now. 
I think it would be best if we all got the best night's sleep we can get and um, spoke about this further later. Ignacia nods to him and just quickly gets up and leaves. Okay. Yeah. Agnes turns to James and is like, all right, James, why don't we go off and be ignorant over here? James gives a, a smile towards to Agnes and follows. Yeah, Detective O'Neill says, Miss Hahn, have a good evening. Agnes just nods. Okay. James stomps off. I'll just take my big muscles and fists over here. <laughs> I'm going to build a wall between me and you. I'm taking my balled up fists and going home. I think Sawyer, Sawyer offers uh, the detective a cigarette. He happily takes one. And are the others out of earshot? Uh, yeah, they've left. Okay. So Sawyer says, so she has no idea her mother is part of the circle. No. None. Oh, you have no idea how close I came to spilling the beans. He says, I'm glad you didn't. And he takes off his glasses and he like, you know, does the like rubbing the forehead, like head in his palms thing. <sighs> For what it's worth, Ignacia did a fantastic job. She reined me in. She kept her cool. I think she represented the circle well. He says, I'm not, I'm not mad at her. I'm not disappointed in her. I just, it's just unusual. And so, I assumed, I assume we all assumed she knew more than she did. And assuming usually doesn't work out the way you would want it to. So, well, I'm sure you'll all make it right now if you'll excuse me. Yes. Have a good evening, Mr. Finn. I pat him on the, the like as I walk past, just pat him on the chest. Yeah. His badge wouldn't happen to be by his chest pocket, would it? No. Okay. Now I know that. And I walk <laughs> away. <laughs> All right. So everybody gets home uneventfully, falls into a nice, peaceful slumber. And uh, your mom, at about eight in the morning, comes into your room and you hear the door open. You kind of groggily, like, open an eye. She says, um, Agnes, sweetie, Beatrice is here to see you. To see me? Yes, yeah, she said you were supposed to help her with wedding planning or something today. Oh, I yes, tell her I will be down shortly. She says, okay, I'll let her know. I'm, I'm heading out. I have to go do some shopping. All right, Mom, Mother. <laughs> she smiles. She says, all right, love you, dear. Have a good day. You as well. All right. So uh, how quickly are you rushing downstairs? Uh, pretty fast. Okay. Like, I feel bad for keeping somebody waiting. Okay. So you get down there, and you hear the sound of um, quiet sobbing from the parlor. Uh, Agnes braces herself <laughs> before venturing forward. Okay. So you walk in and as you do, she like very quickly sniffles and tries to like compose herself, but realizes that it's, that it's pointless. Um, 
and she says, I'm sorry I woke you. I think I'm a bit, I'm a bit early. How was the, how was the exhibit last night? Uh, eventful in a slightly painful way, but I am just totally, it's completely all right that you're here at this time. I am sorry that I've been sleeping in a little bit later than I usually do. She says, no, no, it's okay. I, I just, I'm doing the right thing, right? Uh, in what thing would that be? Marrying, marrying William. He's a good man, right? Agnes um, takes a deep breath, but tries not to like realize that she, what she's doing is very like visibly like a stress sign, and so tries to like let out the breath as normally as possible. Okay. Um, so Agnes tries to um, like stifle her stressed out yawn, so it's not going to stress Beatrice out more than it needs to, um, and she takes a seat near her and says. Do you love William? Yes, of course. More than anything in the world yet. Do you... Do you think that he's a good person? Very good. He's just so busy with work. That is likely not to change. And she sort of bursts in, burst into heavier sobbing and says, through the sobs, but he'll be a good father. I imagine that he'll be a, uh, uh, enthusiastic about having a child and seeing the child grow up, I'm sure, I, but I don't know how much time he's going to have to spare in the future considering that his career keeps growing and growing she says he hasn't told you told me what that I'm pregnant Agnes uh, <laughs> pauses for a bit uh no he has not informed me of this and I don't I'm not surprised that he wouldn't inform me of this, considering that it's a bit sensitive. Uh, how, if I may ask, how far along are you? About, about three months. I'm going to be very honest with you. William is not the best person I've ever known. Um, he can be cruel at times and distracted uh but he is a responsible person and i do think that he would take as good a care of you as just about anybody could but he may not be able to uh be there emotionally for you at all times which isn't to say that he couldn't get better but that's just what his nature is. Give me a persuasion check. Let's see how. Let's see how good that was. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> um, I can roll for you if you want. No, I, I roll. Okay. So, uh, you don't let any papers on fire. Is, uh, so, that's nineteen altogether. Okay. 
she is persuaded by all that. Um, and she, the, the sobbing changes from scared, frightened sobbing to sort of like relieved. And she throws her arms around your neck and starts crying into your, into your shoulder and says, Oh, Agnes, you're going to be such a wonderful aunt. And by the way, if William ever does give you trouble, all you need to do is tell me and I'll make his life a living hell. She says, all you would have to do is rebuke him. He thinks so, so highly of you. Agnes, like, just laughs louder than she ever has in the past, like, entirety of her life at that idea. She sort of pulls back and looks quizzically at you. He does. It, there's some jealousy, certainly, but I don't imagine there's anyone he respects more than you. I think he respects your father as much, but... Have you um, hit your head on anything recently? <laughs> she says, no, I've been incredibly careful with my condition. Good. Um... You have a very different understanding of my brother than I do. And she says again, but he'll be a good father. I believe he will. And that's like, it's, it is probably visibly like noticeable <clears throat> that it's a little bit painful for Agnes to say that, but she's not lying. Yeah. She doesn't notice. Don't worry. <laughs> And she sort of wipes her eyes and says, okay, well, we only have a few weeks to plan a wedding, so. Yeah, let's let us commence immediately. Just after breakfast though, I feel like I finally have an appetite again. Yes, I will. You should be eating well, I suppose right now, more than usual. She smiles and kind of stands up and uh, says, well, shall we? I guess we shall. The Red Death is Morgan Nuncio as Ignacia, Cleo Yansu Davis as Agnes. Tim Devine as Finn Sawyer, Kent Blue as James, and Doug Lewandowski as the Game Master. The Red Death is part of the Roll to Play Network. It is edited, produced, and hosted by Kent Blue. Discover more at RollToPlayNetwork.com And do join us next time. If you dare.